0: episode 18 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast in which we take a deep dive into the world of well-being and sustainability in real estate and hospitality. I'm your host Matt Morley coming to you from the world of wellness real estate and interiors. This time I am chatting with Beverly McCauley, Director of Education and Sustainability for Moore and Giles Leather in the USA, a leading proponent of high-quality, sustainable leather. We discuss the state of the leather industry today, how Moran Giles view leather as a waste diversion strategy from the meat industry, and how they now have developed a cradle-to-cradle plant-based dye that is a byproduct itself of the olive industry to create a truly circular economy tanning process. Quality natural leather has a long life and improves with age, unlike so-called eco or vegan leather that's basically completely different material, likely PVC or vinyl layered with lots of chemicals. So there's real food for thought in this conversation. If you're interested to learn more about their supply business, check out moreandgiles.com forward slash leather. I'll put that in the show notes. You can also email me on mail at mattmorley.com with any comments and suggestions. So here we go. Let's talk to Beverly Macaulay from Moore and Giles. Beverly, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate your time. Uh, as, as an intro, I just wanted to, to take a little step back to, to set the scene because I know you're a you're an ambassador for the uh, for the ILFI, the Living Future Institute, you have your own nature-based retreats, and I know that mindfulness meditation is, is a part of your, your, your personal life, possibly professional in some way as well. So you've got a number of interests. You're also Director of Education and Sustainability for and Giles. So you know, what's the career path that's led you to where you are today, and how do you sort of balance all these different interests?
1: Balance is a great um, word and always a challenge, but, you know, it's been interesting. I, I have a degree in design, interior design and I quickly after college many years ago learned that i really enjoyed learning i just wanted to keep learning and um quick quickly moved into being a representative for various natural products throughout my career um as a resource to my clients so that's that's the way i've uh, always liked to be in my job in my career on the flip side, in my personal life, I've been a nature freak since I was little. That's where I found my peace. That's where I found my inspiration and always would prefer to be outside um, versus not. And so through the years, I kept finding that my interests had these different lives. So the, the nature based retreats, the, the meditation, you know, it, it all centered around health and wellness. And then several years ago, really made that connection um, between nature and health and wellness. And then this position uh, career-wise has just been that final puzzle piece to really make it all come together. So now all of these experiences and and pieces of me um, are put together in this really great puzzle where I can bring people together um, through my love of nature And uh, connect people to it and support it through action, you know, through educating folks and trying to lead the way as much as possible in this industry um, to help people make wise decisions when it comes to the environment and our planet.
0: Okay, so then that that sort of leads us neatly into second question then around the actual Moran Giles business today and and its structure and products. So you've got this passion and interest and. An understanding of nature and natural products, and here you are today as director of sustainability and education. So, could you just describe to us the various products, or services, and, and the, the business structure of Moran Giles today? Um,
1: just the business structure, basically, you know, we are a leather company. Um, we bring leather into the United States from various tanneries around the world, depending on their forte, you know, their their product um we also have a bag and accessory division as well that that we host from our same headquarters in Virginia um yeah so we we have over oh gosh several hundred different products colors we we inventory more leather in the US than any other supplier and we have you know when it comes to sustainability thankfully uh and proudly have led the way uh in the industry and continue to do so so just keep trying to push that push that envelope and help the industry to become more and more sustainable
0: okay um, and, the, and the main the key point there then is is that uh, leather is effectively a byproduct of mm-hmm. another industry so it would be the byproduct of the beef industry we can say what we like about, about what's good or bad about the beef industry but your the main Sort of foundation of the argument is that this is happening anyway, and and this leather would presumably just be left to, I don't know, be thrown away. Absolutely, is that the case? yeah,
1: that's absolutely the case. It's so funny. I found myself, you know, I've been selling or working with leather for sixteen years, over sixteen years, and I, you know, we would continually say it's a byproduct, it's a byproduct, and then I started realizing, a lot of people don't really understand what that means. The leather industry is not the meat industry. The leather industry exists to divert the waste from the meat industry. Okay, um, so if the leather industry didn't exist, the hides that are produced by the waste or by the meat industry would go into the landfill. It would be it would be a huge environmental issue. There are three hundred million plus or minus hides annually that would be added. I mean added to the to landfills around the world. So the leather industry really is, is um, an answer to an otherwise hazardous environmental issue. So that, you know, that's, that's the first thing that I think people aren't aware of and don't really realize. They, still, I get clients who will say, or people who will say, well, don't you kill, kill the cow for the hide? And I will tell you, no cow is killed for its hide. Uh, same would go for sheep. You know, um, people eat lamb as well. Everything that we provide is a byproduct. In other words, everything that we provide is diverted waste, and it's tanned to be converted into something useful and functional, and and gorgeous and long-lasting. So, yeah, that's that's a big a big learning curve for folks. And and usually once they get past that, it's a lot easier to look at look at and consider leather. Um, The other thing that is kind of a byproduct of that is, you know, people ask about animal welfare. Again, um, the people tanning leather are not the farmers raising the cows or the meat industry rendering those cows. However, over the years, a lot of the tanneries have been able to come together and help create legislation to better the animal welfare down that supply chain to the farmer. So that's kind of an interesting. You know, they they didn't have to do that, but but that has happened. It's been a positive influence from the leather industry backward toward the um, the farming industry. just
0: so would Moran Giles then prioritize certain um, certain suppliers that have, for example, say a certain level of environmental standards over others? Because it's so big, the industry is so huge. Are you, how is how is the business? selecting those that it chooses to work with versus those that it perhaps doesn't deem appropriate to work with?
1: You know, tanning leather has been an industry for thousands of years. I mean, it's just been around for so long. So there's this huge history behind it, right? Um, And within, you know, the last several decades, it has been imperative for tanneries to innovate or die. I mean, if they don't do the right thing or change, they're not going to last very long. Thankfully, we have long-standing relationships with our tanneries, so it's it's more likely for us to work with a company for a long time and work with them, if need be, um, to help them move forward and be innovative than to just pick up new tanneries every year and drop the other ones. So the tanneries is important to us, then, therefore, uh, to work with tanneries that are well respected, good to their community, good to their people, um, doing the right thing, um, you know, being REACH compliant and, you know, chemically and environmentally doing the right thing. So, a lot of the tanneries we work with on their own without us having to say anything are doing some really great things um, environmentally. And then when something comes along that is even better that i'm sure we'll probably talk about like um olive tanning um we go to those tanneries and we feel comfortable saying we'd love for you to try this let's work together and collaborate to make this happen to to once again keep pushing that um forward
0: and so just just for those of us who perhaps are less familiar with the the structure of the industry as a whole then the, the, the role of the tannery and then the ultimate sort of the, the, the one the brand the company that turned it into a product in this case more and Giles. so that others you're then buying the skins the tannery is sourcing the skins applying there's some energy use in that process and could you just talk us through the details yeah. of how that works because it's not entirely
1: clear to me at least sure and you know i'm sure there are variations around the world but in general the farmer i'm just going to go all the way back the farmer raises the cow or the cattle for the meat and dairy industries at the if if a cow's a dairy cow at the end of its life they're not going to bury it in the backyard you know it's going to go to the meat industry so ultimately the meat industry byproduct is then purchased and sometimes there's someone in between in between there i'll tell you uh that sells it to the tannery but you know some of our tanneries know the farmer where the cow was raised up the hill just because they're in such close proximity in these little villages in Europe, and some of them get hides from other places and have them um, trained in. But at any rate, the hides come into the tannery. The tannery is the manufacturing process that takes that hide and tans it so that it's no longer, you know, basically no longer decomposing, converts it into leather. So, a hide isn't really leather until it's been tanned. Until it's been tanned, it is considered a hide or skin. Once it's tanned, then it, uh, you know, goes through those processes at the tannery that to make it, you know, the product that you wear or you sit on. You know, um, they do all of the finishing processes. At that point, it's then brought over to the supplier like ourselves, who then, you know, inspects, stores, and sells the, the product. Um, we are somewhat unique with our tanneries in that, you know, like I said before, we will collaborate and create products with them just for us or just for our, our clients. Um, but they do all of the the manufacturing process portion. Mm-hmm.
0: So the the more and jars would be both in one sense a, a middleman that then supplies the, the finished hides to say interior designers or architects who are doing interior fit outs, what have you, but also in some instances, you create products yourselves, such as the furniture and bags.
1: That's true. And we, we do, um, we sell, we're a wholesale company when it comes to our, the hides of leather, and we sell to upholsterers, we sell to furniture manufacturers, um, you know, uh, those industries as well.
0: Okay, and so you mentioned the olive green, and it's, it's probably the, the product that sort of most leapt out from, from the research that I've done online, just because mm-hmm. it just seems, uh, yeah, sort of a fantastic combination of, of ideas and, and natural products. So obviously you're very proud of that. Uh, were you involved in its process? I mean, could you just sort of give a, a description of exactly how you're using olives as, as another byproduct to uh, tan Right The leather right. in itself is a byproduct, right?
1: yeah, so it it is so cool and it, it th- th- this process totally is what re-energized me with within the industry, got me excited about seeking the role I'm playing now and kind of was that puzzle puzzle piece that connected everything together that I mentioned before. Um, it's it, the the product itself is called Oliven Leader. Okay, that's who makes the product. And it's actually, it's not the olive itself, it's a byproduct from the olive industry. So it's using a byproduct, a byproduct, best of both worlds, totally plant-based. So basically it's the fallen olive leaves from the olive trees, or when they prune the olive trees, you know, for production, just like you would prune an apple tree, because if you don't, it's not going to render good apples. It's those olive leaves, but it, it also uses, I, I've, I'm always learning more and more just the waste from the industry. So when they press the olives to make olive oil, that's kind of the more solid waste, you know, that comes from the olive pieces, if you will, uh, that can be used. I mean, all of these different portions of the, of the olive industry, the byproducts, and that's an important word um, when it comes to this process are used um, to tan leather. So rather than, Taking something from nature, like tree bark or plant oil, or harvesting and actual you know, growing trees and cutting them down to use. This is just product that would otherwise be burned into the atmosphere, or go to waste in some way. So it's it's a really great circular model.
0: And this was one of the one of the products that you then took forward for mm-hmm. a healthy material certification, right? And that is that right?
1: So we took we we have um, four and growing. I think we might add a couple more this year. Uh, Olive tanned products within our line and within those so, several different colors and textures. The beauty of this process is you're it doesn't you're not really limited. So you can have all these different textures and colors and um, uh, possibilities. Really, a lot of a lot of really great possibilities. We took our end products and went for Declare labels um, for those. Uh, On the tanning end, the 11 liter product that is used for tanning these leathers is Cradle to Cradle Gold and Material Health Platinum, um, which is also unheard of in in the tanning industry. So that's, it's just really, we feel this process will turn the tanning industry on its ear. Um, there are a lot of great things happening with the typical way people tan leather and have for many years, but this is just kind of that next generation. You know, this is, we're seeing into the future here with this product.
0: For those who are perhaps unfamiliar, you dropped quite a few terms. I'm oh, sorry. But I mean, <laughs> you know, those standards, I mean, the red list is, is pretty much the gold standard. It is, it's, it's pretty demanding in terms of the chemicals that it does not want to see anywhere near your product, but then to also have, or aligned with cradle to cradle, which is if perhaps more of a sort of a circular economy approach to things. Would that be right?
1: Yeah. So if you think of like the things I mentioned, a declare label is like a nutrition label for a product. So that will take into account the, the chemicals used, as you mentioned, super strict. So to achieve a declare red list free label is the highest standard out there right now Um, and we have that on all of those products and then when you go to cradle to cradle that's just what it says so cradle the beginning of your product to the beginning of the next product instead of what used to be termed cradle to grave, which was the beginning of the product to the end of the product in this case there is no end so that that um, tanning product has the cradle to cradle award once you're finished tanning the leather and you have this leftover residue from the tanning product, you can literally, you, you compost it. It can be used as fertilizer for those same olive trees. You can compost it in your backyard compost. It is um, not harmful at all. So it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. So that deals with kind of the end of life and, and material health, environmental health through the whole process, that kind of thing. And then the platinum material health rating is actually a piece of the cradle to cradle. So you could just go for a material health rating. It could be used to kind of scale up to that cradle to cradle award, but it is one of the one of the five factors considered in cradle to cradle. So in the plat in the uh, material health rating, that's looking at the chemicals uh, at that stage. So um, making sure that there's no chemicals involved that are considered hazardous or chemicals of concern.
0: Are there any, is there anything that's lost then in taking that approach? I mean, you seem quite optimistic that it's a real innovation within the industry. Is there anything that you're not able to do or that there's certain things that the more traditional, craft-based, sort of the, the old way of doing things are only that you can only do that way or are you you're pretty much able to match it by doing this sort of, eco approach.
1: You know um, when mineral tanned or chromium tanned leathers came along and that's 80 to 90 percent of our leather in the world is, t- is tanned with, with uh, you know chemicals basically minerals um, that opened up a huge world of accessibility to options from the vegetable tanned leathers before it. So um, oftentimes people use a combination of the two just to have a different hand or, or you know, product at the end of the day. But uh, vegetable tan products were very limited, um, and that tanning process you know, has its own concerns here or there. The nice thing about this olive tanned products that we have, this process is like the best of both worlds. And even better, really. Because with veg tan, you're taking something from nature versus, you know, what, what I mentioned before this. With this, you you can have softness, um, which you can't have with vegetable tan leather. It's really more firm, like a shoe sole or something, or a belt. Um, you can also have color variation, texture variation, all these possibilities that you would have with the, with the mineral tan leather, the chromium tan leather, without the chemicals. So there aren't, uh, we're not seeing a lot of, of issues, I think the main thing is, well, two things, you know, it's new. So every time a tannery will make a new product, it's, you know, about finessing it to get the right end results. And that again, aesthetically really. Um, And then getting people on board to understand why it may be a little bit more expensive sometimes because it's new. And it's small batch. If you think of the first small batch brewery, you know, um, micro brews or whatever, you know, that was especially in the United States, you know, there was a handful. Now they're everywhere, you know. Um, so it's, it's just a matter of gaining popularity and understanding. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge is that at the moment.
0: You do have these. There's obviously some degree of scale. Um, is, is it purely on like, what would be the factors that you would identify then? Because you have, for example, you supply to say automotive, to marine, which I presume is sort of you know, high-end stuff, and aviation, even so like private jets. Like, what are the what are the differences between say that and something that's going into say residential, commercial, interior usage? How do you how do you distinguish between those levels of quality or refinement?
1: Right. I think, you know, in many cases, it's about the function that you're needing, um, especially when you, when you break out some of those specific um, types of markets. The function that you're needing and then the, the preference. So, for instance, in aviation, due to a lot of the requirements on the business aviation side of things, I mean, they, you know, beat up those there's a lot of use <laughs> and they were looking for consistency. So patina that you would get with a natural leather is probably out of the question. So you're needing something that's a little more finished with some pigment in it. It's got to meet some strict um, testing typically for, you know, abrasion or flame retardants or whatever. So there's certain types of products that, that are better for that. However, I have used on private aviation as an individual's private aircraft, all of the things that we've used in the residential market before. Again, it was their personal preference and what what they were okay with. So we can cross over with with any of these markets just fine. It's just really a matter of what is the function you're looking for? What is the look that you're looking for?
0: Durability is an interesting word because it strikes me that leather is perhaps one of the products that other like wine, it ages well, and with time, almost, it, it develops that pattern, it develops more character, in a way. So how do you con- contrast that with, say, you know, the arguments for what's loosely termed eco-leather or vegan leathers, which, as I understand it, without having dug too deeply into it, they are not, in fact, leathers at all. Is that right?
1: Correct. Oh, my gosh, I could talk to you for hours about that, but I won't, I promise. Um, vegan leather is not possible. I, I. This is maybe in poor taste, but you cannot be pregnant and not pregnant at the same time. I kind of say the same thing. So um, in order to be a leather, you have to be from an animal. So you can't be vegan and leather at the same time. Um, most, the majority of the products that are out there that are using that terminology, it's such a shame to me. It's just a marketing technique to make people feel like they're making this really great decision you know when in actuality they're choosing pvc or polyurethane products so most the majority of the products that are out there claiming to be vegan leather are faux products uh, in the past called faux leather Um, we've also you know you can also refer to it as vinyl these products are persistent in the environment by using something like that, it's not going away. You're creating this process of chemicals that are on the red lists, that are chemicals of concern. Um, so it's, it's just so not the better decision when it comes to environment and health. Also, what you get with a product like that is you have to replace it more often. So it's not going to wear in over time. So, you know, to your point with a leather, lasting so long and being this heirloom quality product how often have you heard someone say man I can't wait until I can inherit my grandmother's vinyl couch not many not often do you say "Oh, I want that that plastic chair I can't wait till I have that you know handed down to me that will likely never be handed down to you it will be in a landfill somewhere forever and ever um you know So, as I said, I I could speak to that for a long time, but leather lasts it outlasts and outwears and and is just so beautiful for a longer period of time. So not only do you get a a nice product in the beginning, but as you replace this other product you're multiple times, you're building up this landfill waste again and causing more chemical processes to happen because you're, you know. Continue to buy it. You continue to have it made. All of these other products, um, while the leather still sits and the leather has not needed to be replaced, um, it's just overall in the life cycle of the of the product. It it's really important to look. Is it a circle or a line? That that's the most simple way I I like to say to my clients. Are you looking at a like a timeline? Like here's the beginning. Here's the end then what happens at the end? Or are you looking at a circle? Can this thing be reused? Can it be used for a longer period of time and cutting down the waste?
0: And in terms of uh, maintenance and, and looking after one's leather, I noticed that you recently brought out a sort of an antimicrobial spray that I guess is is a sort of reaction to or response to, to what's happening around COVID. But in terms of what one could or should be doing to, to look after one's leather in let's call it in sort of in a home or, or commercial environment in furniture to make sure that it, it is able to do that, to make sure that it can live that nice long life and it, and it ages well. Are there any tips? I mean, you guys are the yeah. experts in this. What do you normally recommend?
1: Sure. Um, the number one thing you can do with your leather is dust it. Dust. That's the main thing. Um, like a plant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I need to dust my plants. <laughs> but you're right. It, it, it will absorb and collect that dust after a period of time and and that can kind of cause it to to dry out just like our skin you know if we never loofahed or used a washcloth or you know did something in a shower you know, to, to clean ourselves our own skin doesn't look that great after a while so just dusting you know people are we're seeing people get a lot better with patina and natural leathers, which is great. That's, you know, you're speaking our language because we love the natural leathers and the way they patina and age and they become part of your story. They become part of your character. You know, if you have a natural leather chair and you spill something on it, um, Yes, you'll see it immediately, and it just don't just be calm and take a deep breath because in a, in a few days you know blot it up and that's great, but it will work its way through the fibers and it, it will will release it's it will mellow, and then what you have after that is either you won't even notice it was ever there, or it becomes part of the patina, but it's so much more mellowed out. Um, I, I like to use this as an example. I have a, a client who. Was we were kind of talking about the same subject one day and maintenance and how people get all worked up over patina, Um, just live just live in your leather. And he said, I have this chair, and he has three kids. And he said, and and I, it's just my chair. He said, you know, you can see kind of a a spot on the back where I sit from just the oils from his head, you know, or the arms where his hands sit, the, you know, over the years he's had it for a long time. He said, and one day my kids were talking, and these are kids that are like college, late high school age, and they were kind of fighting over who gets the chair. And he he asked, why in the world are you guys fighting over this chair? It's just my chair. And the daughter said, Dad, when I see this chair, I see you. And I want this because I want you in my life, you know. And so it was a very touching moment during that, um, unexpectedly, during that presentation. But it really... Says so much about how leather is inherently part of us and can become part of our story. So when you do find that you need to clean a product, um, there are products that we carry that, that you can use. Typically, a damp rag, mild soapy water, just something simple. It doesn't have to be anything else. the The Eco Shield that we've brought on. You're right. Um, COVID threw us all for a loop last year, and what we saw was a reaction of, like, bleach everywhere. Um, people spraying harmful chemicals um, and and alcohol-based, solvent-based products that not only are they not good for the leather or anything you're using it on, but they're also not good to be inhaling. I mean, we're all inhaling this stuff. So um, we took our time and tried to find a safe alternative, a safe product, So the way that EcoShield works is um, it kills mechanically, not chemically. So there are no toxic chemicals within it. It's been deemed uh, awarded safe for food contact surfaces. It's been used in school districts. It's been used in airports. Um, It uh, continues to work for up to 90 days. So, you know, that antibacterial stuff we've been putting on our hands for the last year, like every five minutes, it only works when it's wet. And that's true of so many other things. So that's why you have to reapply it all the time. Because, okay, I touch this thing. Let me put this stuff on. Okay, that killed that. Now I go touch another thing. Oh, guess what? i got to use it again. This product, actually, you just apply it once. And then you just reapply it after about 90 days. Because over time, it will wear off, um, scratch off, you know, that sort of thing. But it doesn't, it keeps working at the same heightened level by just killing on contact any of these microbes. In fact, it draws it down. So if I were to put it, spray it lightly on my desk, it would draw down the microbes from the air and atmosphere, kill it on contact. It's it's pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah, I like it. Nature knows best. Yeah. Looking ahead then to your your projects for for sustainability and education over the next year or two, what do you have in the pipeline? What's coming next?
1: well, you know, we're looking at every aspect of what we do internally at our headquarters from, you know, we've created a conservation team at, at the headquarters to get all of the departments involved and looking at what are we doing and how can we be doing it better. Um, so that's, that's kind of fun. We, we do have an on-site garden um, at our headquarters and we grow food. It's all employee-driven. We grow, grow food. And um, supply, you know, not only the people within the office as they need it, but if people within the community um, are, you know, in trouble and they need they need some little extra help, we have we have that availability there. Um, we're also looking at well, just several several different things within our headquarters that I'm excited about. We're also always looking at. Um, Reducing waste. We don't have a lot of waste at our headquarters. Even when we cut samples and there's a little waste or trim a hide, we we sell that for pennies to, to on the dollar to people who will make something from it. But we're, you know, we're kind of looking at that process and hopefully we'll have something maybe exciting to share um, before the end of the year, hope sooner rather than later. We also are working with all of our tanneries again to understand the certifications and awards and the, the measures that they're taking because there's a lot and there's they should be proud of them. It's pretty cool. So we're gathering that information and um, I know that we are having, like I said before, a couple of new products made um, through the Olive tanning process. and also looking at what other, you know, how can we continue to grow and push that envelope, to lead the way within the tanning industry and also within our, you know, the building industry um, in general, design, architecture, how can we make decisions that will um, make a larger impact more quickly than just me having my little compost here at home? I mean that's great, right? But if we can attack this on a larger scale, we could we could really create the difference that needs to happen.
0: Well, it's it's great stuff. I look forward to seeing uh, developments over the next f- few years, no doubt. So to follow along, obviously, morangiles.com will link in the show notes. So, in terms of putting out publications, people getting in touch, what's the best route in?
1: Well, I would say if, if you're interested, if you know, if you're interested in our bags and accessories, by all means, go to morangiles.com. If you're looking for more information about our leather hides in general, as a designer you can go there and go to the top of the screen and click leather for designers, or you can go to more and forward slash leather. Um, I, you know, people are more than welcome to reach out to me, just like you did Matt and um, ask any questions you like about leather in general or, um, you know, sustainability, uh, what we're doing, what we're aware of. And um and I can also put people in in touch with the representative for their area if they're if they're within the industry.
0: Good on you. Well,, Bobby, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Sure, thank you so much. It was so nice to talk to you.